wonderful how marvelous how wonderful well I have been pondering for some weeks uh, coming to you and I thought well uh, brother Tom you know he's so gracious always wanting to know if I want to speak well I hardly ever want to speak but on the other hand, you can't stop the, you know, when I come to a service or when I read a message or when I listen to a message, it's always stirring. <laughs> I have to stop and think about that because that's, it's so profound and it goes far beyond our human understanding. So I want to ask you this morning, uh, rather than, rather than just preach as such, I want you to feel free to jot down. I hope you have a pen or pencil. If you don't, borrow one from someone else and jot down something. I'd like the service to be, uh, a little different on, in that way so that you could, uh, you'll have some questions. I'm sure. And, uh, you know, when we say the word supernatural, supernatural, that's something that's beyond the natural. And the language that you have, the language that I speak with today in English, or if you understand it in French or Chinese or some other language, uh, Often I will go back to see how did that word come about? Well, it came from the Latin or it came from the Greek or it came from the Hebrew. I'd like to find out where it came about. What was their understanding of the event? And, uh, it's, it's, that's really quite amazing in itself. So today I'm going to I want to uh, really touch on two things. Number one, the subject is, he came down. That's the subject. And then, when he came down, he was always searching for somebody or something. And I wanted to know, I wanted to present to you, what was he searching for? And I've come to believe, and I want to present to you, he was coming to look for faith, or coming to look for a person that was selected, he had selected to believe him. And then he began to make himself known to that individual. Now, we are here this morning, and I want to say, a very rare ministry that we call the ministry of the prophet of God. Uh, there's been nothing like it, friends. 
There's nothing like it in history. And I think of what Tommy Osborne said at Brother Branham's memorial. He said, you won't see this again. And that's public information for you. You won't see this again. That's because that's a compliment, really, to you, because you can say, well, I believe what God sent. Now, if you just sit here this morning and say, well, I have my own thoughts. Quite frankly, I want to respect you, but your thoughts are no more than my thoughts, and my thoughts are really nothing compared to uh, God's thoughts. And God's thoughts are very, very deep and very profound and will go far beyond your understanding. So we do not have the capacity to grasp some of the things that even I may have known or I may say this morning. And uh, But I want to speak on how he came down. I, and just before we start to read and start to go into the scripture, I'd like uh, Brother Ryan, if you'd come and... I would like to sing the song, He Came to Me. When I could not go come to where he was, he came to me. That's been such a reality. He came to me. And right now, today, this morning, he knows where you are. He knows what you need, if you need anything. You may not feel that you need anything, but he knows exactly where you are. And by the time we're done the service this morning, I'm sure you'll have a lot to think about. All right, would you come, Brother Ryan, please? Let's stand, shall we? Heavenly Father, you are so gracious. And as your prophet said, you loved the people. You love fellowship. And we believe you love what we are able to bring to you today. It's our heart and soul with thanksgiving. We worship you in spirit and in truth. We worship you in song. We worship you in giving. We worship you in our attendance here. And now respectfully, O oh God, we come and we say, O oh Holy Spirit of the Almighty One, the Savior of the world, Redeemer, you are my Redeemer. 
You have sent the Holy Spirit to infill us and infill each one. I pray, O oh God, that as we give ourselves to you, you will come now and break the word of truth. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. I'm going to read out of Matthew, the first chapter, starting with verse 1. And we'll read down through verse 6, the first six verses. <clears throat> the book of the generation, if you'll notice it's a single, it's not plural. Many times in the Bible you'll find it, and it'll be generations, because there are generations in people's lives, but in Christ's life, it's singular. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And Judas begat Pharaoh and Zarah of Tamar. And Pharaoh begat Esron, and Esron begat Aram, and Aram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Naasan, and Naasan begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. Rahab was the harlot. It doesn't mention her as being that here. And Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David, the king of uh, the king, and David, the king, begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. Now, Urias was a Hittite. Bathsheba was his wife, and David desired Bathsheba, and uh, that's where he had his sin, encounter with sin. But God had promised David that his kingdom would be everlasting. So these are things that we don't have an answer for, we don't understand perhaps, but I wish to speak more about that. And I want to bring out to you in, in the speaking and reading this morning, it centers around God coming down, seeking for someone or selected person to believe him. That's the key, friends, Amen. is if you believe. That's the key. And we don't brush everything else aside. That as though we're not responsible for what happens. But that is the key. You can live ever so godly. But if you don't believe, you will not enter the kingdom of God. So you may be seated and God bless you.
Now, <clears throat> you'll just need to remember my opening comments. What God is seeking to do. And now I'm going to continue to read some scripture. In John's Gospel, it says, Then Jesus said unto them, and that's this Jesus who we have just read of his lineage. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. This is to digest. They weren't able to... He wasn't able to explain that. I shouldn't say he wasn't able to explain it. He never explained it. He just said it. And he knew right well that what he was saying was going to be offensive to the people. And nothing has changed. The Holy Spirit may allow something to be said that's offending or offensive to you. Don't be afraid of that. Uh, don't be afraid of your feelings being hurt. God is not operated or operating according to our feelings or according to our opinions or according to what's considered nice by us. He's not, he's not operating that way. He just says it and then leaves it. Except to eat the flesh of the Son of Man, he knew right then there was multitudes that couldn't possibly accept that. They would say, well, Moses said, God said to us through the prophet Moses that that would be uh, an abomination. And, uh, and now in the unveiling of God, Brother Branham comes to that very scripture. So he said, Whoso eateth the flesh of the, uh, so whoso eateth the flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. See, once a person consumes something, you can never separate it from you. It's a part of your strength. It's a part of your energy. It's a part of your thought process. It's whatever this body is that God allowed you to be born with. It, it becomes a part of every every element of your body. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Unless I become you and you become me, we become one. Unless that happens, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. These people couldn't grasp that, of course. And the Bible tells us that uh, multitudes left him. As the living Father, this is verse 57, in chapter 8, I believe it is. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread that came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of the bread that 
shall live forevermore. Of this bread shall live forevermore. Then, Jesus, this is verse 67. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said unto them, this is John 8 and 23, and he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Now he was not talking to his disciples, he's talking to the general uh, audience at that time. And then the next verse, And Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded from, uh, I proceeded forth and come from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. And I know he was confronted. He said, you don't know the, uh, this brother said, well, you don't know the scripture very well. He said, but I know the author very well. And I want to say to you today, perhaps the message may not be exactly in, uh, I spent many hours, many, many hours, several weeks actually, and I wanted to have the continuity. And I finally came to the point of view that it's impossible just to have the continuity the way I would like to have it. So I will just scatter all of the word out there and leave you with the main thought, his coming down. I'm going to go into that now. And what he's coming down for. And furthermore, it'll come right now to your address. The prophet of God said, he is here, he is present, and if you believe that you are a believer, then you also must believe what God has said to you. And he said, I will never leave you. Do you believe that? I will always be with you. Do you believe that? Well, this God, I'm going to go into some scripture. And you may not really know this God. You may know him. Oh, I felt him. I know that he heard me. But do you really know him? Whom to know is life eternal. And perhaps I want to stress to this congregation today. You are here. You're here on a Sunday morning, the 6th of January, 2019. Maybe he is seeking you out. Maybe he has been calling you. And so many times people think, well, a call is God calling me. No, sometimes and most often I will show you in the scripture, it's in difficult times. 
He always allows or also allows you to go through a straining time, a difficult time, and in hardship and painful. And that sets up a cry within you. God said to Moses, he said, I've heard your cry. I've heard their, their cry as a result of their taskmasters. We're living in a world, friends, that's very contrary to what you believe. Very contrary to what you hold dear. And it's constantly warring against things that are precious to you. Constantly warring, and it sets up Unbeknown to you, it sets up a, a uncomfortable feeling, a painful feeling. You have to be around people. You have to rub shoulders with them. And you have just recently, perhaps, over this holiday season, and uh, your background, uh, your how you were brought up, uh, maybe what happened to you. I have people that I've talked to, and Brother Branham has said, people who were suffering in front of him, and he would say, if I were God, I would heal you. He said that many times. If I were God, I would heal you. He wanted them to know that someone who was before him was not detached from their need and I am not detached from the needs of the congregation I I I, I feel that we should be uh, not merely compassionate but we should feel and Brother Branham also said that uh, if I've had any success it's because I've been able to put myself in my little ministry I've been able to put myself in that person's need or that person's place. And when I was just a kid, about 14 years old, and he was still taking the hand of the people, and he would take the hand. He took a a woman's hand, and he said, the hand of a mother, wrinkled, chapped hand, Someone who'd been in the dishes. Someone who'd been in the wash. Before there was washing machines, perhaps. But he, as soon as he took their hand, he said, a mother. So he associated it right away. And that was how he had, I won't say how he had success. Because that would not be right. So now, how did he come down? But God is so good, he said. Trying to do something else to bring them to believe him and have faith in him. Now, a lot of people came before him. And now this is where perhaps we would be offended. If you were standing here, say, do you believe? So, well, yes. And he said, then why are you standing here? 
because that, that's where it really comes home to your address. If I were to say to you, are you a believer? You say, yes, of course I'm a believer. Then why are you standing here or why are you desiring something from God? Because we still need God to do something special. And so he's trying to do something else to bring them to believe him and have faith in him. So the purpose of him coming down was seeking faith in the hearts of the people. In the infallibilities of God, God calls sovereignty sovereignly without anyone, without anything you done about it. There's nothing you done. Men say, Oh, I sought God. No man has sought God at any time. But it's God seeking man. Not man seeking God. God seeking man. Jesus said, No man can come to me except my Father draws him first. You, you get it. It has to be God drawing man. So now I want to start. When God come down, he came down in Eden. And he says, Adam, Adam, where art thou? And we could say, now I'm just going to speak from my heart. With everything that you have had, everything that you have spiritually, oh, I've met God, I've been in services, and we've sang, and I worship, and I hear the messages, I hear the tapes, or whatever more, uh, and I love it. It speaks to me. But I want to ask you this morning, I wonder if God has been calling you. And in your difficulty, in your reversals, things that go sideways for you in life. And I'm just going to go, I'm going to dig deep. Is that okay? There isn't anyone here but what has a horror story as far as life is concerned. Things didn't go the way I planned them to go. You don't know how I was brought up as a kid. No, I don't. There's people here who've not had a childhood. There's others here who've had a good childhood. But there's people here who've not had a childhood. I didn't hardly have a childhood. My wife didn't have much of a childhood. Things went sideways. There were separations. There was war. There was trouble. Some have a lot of food. While you're sitting here and you had your breakfast this morning, I imagine there are children, young children, who are searching out in the garbage fields overseas 
And that's their entire living. You think, surely something, something can be done for these kids. Really? Can they? Why aren't we doing it? We, we, you know, we just run out of space. We run out of ideas. We run out of social abilities. You that are sitting here might be the privileged few. But that doesn't escape us from the God that has even allowed that to happen. We say, why does that happen? I don't know why it happens, but it happens. And while things are fine here and while you may attend McDonald's or Wendy's or the restaurants and all the rest of it, there's people all over the globe that know nothing about that. I heard Brother Tim up here speaking of the people going down to baptism, then they wanted to hold their clothes because they didn't have another change. Oh, well, we'd like to do something about that. And you know, in this country, there's a documentary, you don't even want to see it, because the clothes that people give, they've got a huge warehouse in Toronto or Montreal, and and uh, it's it just... The Salvation Army gets so many clothes, they don't know what to do with it. It's ground up. And tons, hundreds of tons are sent overseas. And then they showed in a documentary, showed that the very garments that were given in this land were being burned by the tens of thousands of tons were being burned and destroyed over in Kenya because they didn't there was more clothes than the people could even use or what am I saying I'm I'm why am I describing this I'm describing it because do you think that is outside of God's view no God sees it and he appreciates it that people have given and they but but Yet, this world's program is flawed. World's program, government social programs is flawed. Because the human element is not supernatural, it's a natural element, it's not a supernatural element. And so I have to bring this to you before we proceed. Is that all right? People have to come to a place where they say, you know, man's efforts fail. That's all there is to it. Man's efforts. It doesn't mean we shouldn't do something, but it means that we should know that our lives are being guided by the Holy Spirit. Your efforts on your own, uh, by your own thought, uh, by your own desire to do good, whatever. I have nothing against that. That's fine. But nevertheless, that is not the answer for the son and daughter of God. Say, Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let thy will be done. And before we do anything, we should know that God has led us to it. 
And so when he said these marvelous words, can you imagine God who's now come down in the flesh? And he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the Bible says, or rather the prophet of God has said, and the whole audience walked away from him. The whole audience. In fact, is these were not people who were renegades. These were people who were much more careful, perhaps, about spiritual things than we are. These are people who went to the temple. These are people who sacrificed. These are people who believed in the God of Elijah, the God of Moses, the God of the prophets, the God of uh, of creation, the Almighty. They believed on him. That's who was hearing these words. And that's who flocked away from him. They walked away from him. And there's no one. Now come to the this day in the unveiling of God. And there's no one could explain what he had just said. How are they going to eat his flesh and drink his blood? And how did he come down? And that's where I have my text. How did he come down? Well, I... I want to more than ask that question. You're being very quiet. And it's obvious you haven't got the answers either. How did he come down? He comes very secretly. He comes very, it's almost a clandestine. It's, it's, uh, in a way, I have a scripture that says, uh, his ways are past finding out. You remember the scripture? His ways, I'll give you the reference in a few moments. His ways are past finding out. Now, <clears throat> I, I'm gonna, you don't mind, I'm gonna drop a bomb on you. I want to suggest to you that in this life, your mother, your father, your coming into this world was not unknown to God. And somehow within the plan of God, he who knew the beginning from the end is going to fit you in. And he knew that somewhere along the line, you're going to hear his voice, you're going to hear his message, and he's going to be standing right there by his Holy Spirit to see exactly your response. How are you responding to that? Say, well, I came to him when he was, you know, Brother Branham tells his life story many times. You know where he goes? When he was eight years old. Carrying water to his father's still where they made whiskey. 
And there he is, eight years old, just a boy. And I want to be careful, but my wife and I sat down with the girl that Brother Branham talked about was his girlfriend. And she lived in Florida, and we were there, and the pastor said, Would you like to meet Brother Branham's girlfriend? We said, yes, we would. I asked her, my wife and I and her were just sitting there, and I asked her, did you know, do you know what a prophet is? No, she said, I don't believe I do. I said, do you know that Brother Branham was a prophet? We regard him as a prophet of God, a messenger. And she said, no, he did tell me that he would hear voices in the trees. And I said, yes. And then she took out a picture of him, one with a big cowboy hat and a handkerchief about his neck. Uh, And she said uh, it was a picture that he had given her, and he had signed it. And I looked at the picture, and I've told you this, I think, before. But she just looked past me, looked over my head and just passed me. She said, I still love him. Those were her words. I still love him. But I thought about, I thought about this woman and I thought about, and she'd been carrying that in her purse. She had no idea. She had no idea when she's walking the pathway, carrying water that's going to turn into whiskey. Is God interested in the whiskey? Is God interested in that? What is this boy doing? He's interested. He knows what this lad is going to become. And all of your upbringing... And all of your difficulty, don't, don't talk, don't look at me as though you haven't had difficulty. I know that you do. I know that things don't always go the way we would like them to go. We all have some kind of entanglement someplace along the line and difficulties of life and sometimes it's death and sometimes it's trouble and sometimes it's financial things. The world is full of it. Absolutely full of it. And it becomes a big obstacle to the believer. But I'm saying to you tonight, today, this morning, I'm saying to you without any apology, don't allow those things to hinder your spiritual walk. Don't allow those things They are meaningless in the sense of God. He he has, I I have just uh, read the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And he came from a very questionable background by the human mind. And if you were back then, it may have been, that may have been a greater difficulty for you than it is today. You just read, this is the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. You might say, well, just a second, just a second. 
What about David and all of his difficulties? What about David taking Bathsheba and having a child by her and God slaying the child? What about that? And you'd have good reason to ask that. But I want you to know that who you call Heavenly Father, he said, I am going to have my son come by this man by his lineage. That's all there is to it. And you've heard me say this before, but I don't think that you can give it a proper answer. I cannot. And that is, Tamar is mentioned. Rahab is mentioned. Tamar, which had a relationship with her father-in-law. That's exactly what happened. Maybe it's not your father-in-law, but it was her father-in-law. Your Lord, Jesus, that was, that was a mother of the faith to him. Rahab, the harlot, never called a harlot, I believe, in the New Testament, but she was a harlot. They did not have, well, are we saying, why am I stressing this? Are we saying, well, because we want to make the, the gospel uh, less holy? No, I'm trying to show you how great God is. How absolutely great He is. He's greater than any sin you can think of. He's greater than death itself. He's greater than any war that's ever been declared. He's greater than any nation that has arose because he allows a nation to rise and he allows them to go down. And I just want you to say to yourself right now that I'm part of a great nation. You may be part of America, but if it comes to a demise and it becomes poverty-stricken, and I have seen a great shift in things in the last 50, 60 years. I used to travel through America. It was all beautiful homes and so on and so forth. Things have changed. But God is the same. I am the Lord and I change not. You believe that? God came down and it was in, in, uh, in Eden. When he came down, he was crying and saying, Adam, where art thou? He might come in this generation, say that he comes close to you. It'll be a question. I sent you a message. I sent you a messenger. It was not simple. It was not easy. It was full of hardship. It was full of death. He lost his wife. He lost his baby. His baby was with such pain, more pain than we have ever known. And spinal meningitis was going through the body, and the eyes were crossing, and all these things. I'm not traumatizing. I'm telling you what life was all about. And a life of a messenger was all about. And then he said, he may say, you, you know about the meetings. You know about, you've heard about it. Brother Brandon would say, how, how, how is it that I know that? How is it that I know that? That's more than a man. 
That's not me. That has to be God. Who knows that about you? And he, he and we've had all of that. And, and we don't want to be found hiding behind something. Saying, well, there's reasons why I shouldn't know I'm young. No, that's not a reason you could know. Well, I don't really, I haven't given much time. Why haven't you given much time? Well, if we were seeking things that were gold or silver or something, how about something that's worth much more than gold and silver? How about that? And we have it right in front of us. You have it in your shelf. How does he come down? Well, I want to get it more than a phrase that you just hear. You said, well, he's, 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 yeah, I, I believe that he's here. No. Be careful what you say. What you say. I'm going to go quickly through a number of them, a number of experiences. Please, <clears throat> are you with me? All right. I, I'm just. I have so many things that I want to say to you. And I want you to be able to relate to them. You live in a land of ease and plenty. But what about, what if you were one of the kids in Egypt? I'm just going to start there. What if you were one of the young people? You're not on a garbage heap. You're Things are, you're going to go home, you're going to have dinner today, etc., etc. It's very, very different. But I want you to know that people, listen now, people have had that and had it stripped away from them very quickly. And that's what I want to know. Where would we be in Moses' time? Moses was one of the young people, but his parents were under the rule of taskmasters. They were making bricks in a very wicked country. And forget, don't forget that was like America. They were a, the super power of that day. You want to say it to yourself. The super power of that day was Egypt. And the people were uh, busy making bricks and under taskmasters, and it was difficult. Moses had been reduced from a military giant to a shepherd. And there were things that were going on in his heart. Things that were going on, And I I hope that I can get this across to you, that 
is the call. That is one way God calls in difficulty. Things to go sideways in your life. Difficulty. And if you had to take it in today's standards, you say messed up. Real difficult times. And it's in this congregation as well. In the lives of the congregation, it's difficult times. It's not how you would have written it out and said, this is the way it's going to be. Difficult times. That's why you're silent. That's why you're quiet. I want you to be quiet. I want you to think about it. Your God, your God, your God knows all about it. He knew about it before it happened. He knew about it while it happened. And he knows about it even now that it happened. And he does not want that to cause you to disbelieve his word. When he says something, he is down here, and I would say to you, he's come in this ministry. He's come in this ministry for the same purpose, to cause people to believe. He knew that we'd be in troublesome times. He knew that we would have really great difficulty. He knew we'd have the parents we have. He knew we'd have the marriages that we have. He knew we'd have the divorces that we have. He knew all of these difficulties. He knew about all of these wars. He knew all about these diseases and sicknesses that we have. He knew that's why he sent then a messenger that would start to come to the individual. Every individual had some particular need. And it might be marital, it might be financial, it could be something else, but it would be an individual need. And so he began to deal with the people on an individual basis so that they would know. And then he would tell them what, uh, he would say, if I tell you something that you know I don't know, would that, he said, all it is is to cause you to have faith cause you to believe that was the whole purpose of it cause us to believe I saw that friends I saw that I sat in the meetings I saw one after the other after the other and I saw the miraculous but that that miraculous didn't make me a holy man what I believe that this was the messenger that God sent. Would I believe that? That's what it was. And you know, it took a lot of years. It took a lot of years. I, I don't often have the kind of service that I'm having. I'm just going to talk to you now. So he came down... In Moses' time, or for Moses, 
And the prophet of God said, and there, the darkest of hour that there ever was, that they'd ever seen. And then Jesus come along. Oh my, darkest of hour. Then Jesus comes along. He usually comes along at the darkest of hour. I want to say something to you. Satan has every uh, theory. He has every kind of means at his disposal to make the darkest hour. Maybe for some it's their alcohol or some it's their drugs or it's something or to some he has different ways of making a person to feel a certain excitement that kind of uh, makes easier the darkest hour. But then there comes a time when a person's laying perhaps in their bed alone and they think about it. And it's it's a difficult, you might, you didn't come to church expecting this, but I didn't come exactly expecting it either. But at the darkest hour, he says that's usually when he comes. He said, but God had ordained that man, that man Moses, to do that job, and it must be done. He promised in the last days that he would have a church, that these signs would follow them. Isn't that right? Well, don't you think the last days are here? Isn't it time now for these things to happen? Why it's here, we got it. Amen. And he said, now, uh, these times are here. There's something that I'm concerned about, and that is this, that... It's a concern for me, lest we settle back and the comforts of the home or the comforts of the ease, and we just settle back and, well, we've got a church, a fine church that we come to. That's not the point. In fact is, the good times are more difficult than the bad times. Do you understand that? The good times are more dangerous than the bad times. Are you saying we should have bad times? No, that isn't what I said. I said, just let's not make the good times a bad time. By forgetting God, and I can tell you that the good times is when things slip. And the Bible says, the Bible says this, that in the good times, the people waxed fat. They waxed. So they didn't, they didn't have a need of food. They didn't have a need of, they, they weren't worried about war. They weren't worried about conflict. They weren't worried about danger. They weren't worried about need. 
And those are the times when things become, uh, they become, they slip away. And we don't want to see that happen. God, God spoke, and I, I just hope we can take time to think about it. I'm come down. I want to leave you today with a major thought, and that is God comes at a most unexpected time. And we don't think... I can tell you, the woman at the well, she didn't dream that there's going to be a man sitting there. And you know the confession. Let me, let me just draw the true picture for you. The woman at the well, she goes home. She says, well, I, I went to the well today. Oh yeah? to her friends. I met a man there. Oh, yeah, you met a man there. She'd already had five, and the one she was with now was not her husband. So you met a man there. Yeah, and he told me that he was the Messiah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were some people that were gripped by her testimony, she went in and she said, I've met the Messiah and they were attracted enough to come out and see this man, Jesus Christ. I can tell you that it was not just, it was not just her words, not just her testimony, but it was something that got a hold of them in her confession. And I want to say to this congregation, you actually have that power within you. It's beyond your words. It's telling how the candle got lit. And there's something that's uh, attracting to it because people today don't have it. They don't have that peace. They don't have that assurance. The front, the, the, uh, it appears as though they do. But they don't have that. I had an experience right here in Vancouver. I was at a certain home. And I was speaking about this message. And what it brings to a person. And there was a man there. I remember he had beautiful cufflinks. His cufflinks were, I think, gold. Uh, gold there. Gold here, they were made out of gold, and I was admiring his cufflinks. I thought, that's very, very nice. And he was so confident. Uh, yeah, he said, you know, that uh, uh, I, I don't have any, he didn't uh, indicate any hunger whatsoever spiritually. And he, he was taking care of things, and he just, I think he smote his breast a few times, and 
that they had, had no concern about God. The next day, he came to the home where I was, had been speaking and knocked on the door and he said, everything has just come to pieces. He didn't have anywhere to turn. He didn't have anywhere to turn. Here was a man who was in control. Here was a man who had money. Here was a man who had fine clothes. He had all of these things. He didn't have any appearance of being somebody who was in need. But he was in need, friends. So I'm telling this congregation, you know, we may come well-dressed to church, and but God knows way deep down when there are things that uh, you struggle with, there are things that are they are there when you sleep, and you might be saying, "But why are we? Why are you stressing on this, Brother Bisco? Because that is when God wants to make Himself known to you. In the midst of difficulty, we don't want it. We don't want to think about it. We want to present ourselves as though, oh, I'm not bothered with that. Come on. Don't give me that. I'm going to come home now. I know you are. I know you are. I know you're bothered with it. I know that it troubles you. It's on your face. And it's in your quietness. And you're troubled about your family. You're troubled about your children. You're troubled about life. You may be troubled about finances. You're troubled about your your children or whatever more. We all have it. But I want to say, and I'm going to make a declaration, our God, the God that I have met, the God that I speak to you about, is greater than the difficulties. And there is no reason why we should allow those difficulties to hinder our walk, to hinder our life with Christ. There's no reason whatsoever. In fact, as some of you are perhaps afflicted with disease, afflicted with the problems, and we, we become, uh, we become concerned about it, and our concerns rise and become dominant in our lives. They become dominant. God does not want them to be dominant. He wants to be dominant. He wants to be greater than the difficulties. It, it may seem to you, well, it's an impossibility. I've struggled with these things for years. Well, I can tell you, whether it be the, whether it be the three that were cast to the furnace in Daniel's time, you think that just happened overnight? No, it was something that went on and on and on. There were restrictions. Well, you can't pray now, or you got to bow down to this image. And there's there's uh, uh, some that believe that the image was even an uh, image of Daniel. Uh, we don't know. They may make a great person out of you. They may make you the scum of the earth. It makes no difference with God when God says. That's my son. That's my servant. That's the one I'm going to speak through. It doesn't matter what people think about him or about her. It makes no difference what they think about that family. That is one that I have chosen. I'm going to reveal myself to them and through them. 
And when God makes that decree, when he says, who I have blessed, I have blessed. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what kind of name. They gave a bad name to Jesus Christ. Said so we're not born of fornication. I mean, they dug up the worst that they could. We're not born. I'm not born. We're not born of fornication. Indicating he was born of fornication somehow. And it got out and whatever more. His, his mother was carrying him before she was married and whatever more. Well, that's, that's their view. That's not your view. But are you sure your view is correct? I have a thus saith the Lord concerning that, and that's where my confidence is. Our confidence is not that I have that opinion. Our confidence is not that this is what this church teaches. That's not our confidence. Our confidence is we have seen the glory of God. I can tell you, friends... The prophet of God said, when it's revealed to a person, he said to the disciples, when all these groups left and the ministerial association left, the ministerial association may have been uh, ministers. They may have held high positions in the churches those people went to. And when they were, when they left, they said, we'll have nothing to do with this. I just want to tell you things that I happen to know. When Brother Branham was speaking about the ministerial association, the associations at that time were uh, very wretchedly poor. And even as they are today, I'm glad you don't have to go to some of these denominational churches. I'm glad you don't have to listen to bands on the platform that play rock and roll. There's no such a thing as Christian rock and roll. You believe that? There's no such a thing as somebody who's, you know, just living acceptable to the world. There's no such a thing. And one day, that person... One day, those individuals, whether they're here or not here, it's irrelevant to me. But one day, they'll face the same God who wrote this book right here. So I, I want to just uh, go, go through several that he came down. Evil people. Enemies had coming in, and they came in with laws and regulations, and and you weren't able to have wheat. You weren't able to have it, but Gideon had hid some. That doesn't look, sound like a very good start, does it? But he had hid some, and he was thrashing it, and then he saw an angel. He saw a man. With his sword drawn. He wanted to know. Because there was something courageous within him. Are you for us? Or are you against us? He said to this man. That's pretty critical isn't it? He said. You're a valiant man. And God came down. 
I'm going to just end there. God came down and began to deal with and speak to, speak through the angel of the Lord to Gideon. And Gideon ended up saying, do you think for a second, friends, I want to ask you and I want you to take it real seriously. Do you think for a second that he believed that he was going to be talking to God in a few moments and thinking, I'm going to die because I've seen God. God knows exactly how to come to our situation or come to our address. He knows exactly what you already believe and what you hold dear. And it comes to you that and you think, oh my goodness, I've done something terribly wrong. He knows how to do that. It come and catch you in your own confession. So he said, and how they got a, got a, made a sacrifice and set it on fire and so on and so forth. God was trying to find out and God did get him. God did get Daniel's, not Daniel's, but got Gideon's attention and brought a great victory. He came down and spoke with Gideon, which I said. And then he came down and, and dealt with Hannah. I know a little bit about what it's like when people want to embrace a child. And God doesn't allow it for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason is. But my words will go out over this pulpit and I may face them and I'm prepared to face them today or tomorrow or any time at God's great accountable time. But Hannah was so crushed. She wanted a child so bad. And her husband had two wives, and the first wife had given five children to him, and Hannah none. For God, the Bible says, had closed her womb. But in her, in her crying and in her painful experience, She's up at Shiloh, and and even before the priest, Eli, he's observing her, and she's uh, not steady on her feet. She's under such grief, and he notices, Eli notices her lips moving, but no voice behind it. And he comes to her and says, You're drunk. No, she said, I'm not. I'm grief-stricken. I have no child. And she was so grief-stricken. And she was saying, if you give me a child, a man-child, I'll give him back to you. 
I'll lend him to you all of his life. She didn't know it. She was talking about Samuel. I'm trying to tell you about a God who knows a person even when they're so stricken in grief that they don't know what to do. They don't even know how to conduct themselves. They can't even be normal anymore. There's a real woman. One you're going to face. One you're going to see. You're going to see her offspring. What do you think about it, young people? You might say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just a young age yet. Listen, in five minutes you might be 21. You could be on the other side in a few minutes. We all could. You say, well, you were just a few minutes ago, you were a white-haired man preaching at the pulpit. Well, if we were on the other side, you'd say, what's happened? Well, this is what you always believed. You always believed this. This is what the messenger said. Didn't you believe it? Well, yeah, I believed it. Then why are you shocked? Why are you surprised? Oh, friends, it's so real. It's so real. And I'm, I'm speaking to you from my own heart, from my own experience. In fact is, I have told some people, I've written some people just in the last few days. And they think, oh, we just pray that God will give you strength and we just pray that God will give you health. And I'm so thankful for that. So, so thankful. But I told a few people, I cannot explain the peace that I have. And in the last few years, such peace. And the peace never wavered. Till never wavered a moment. I was in a hospital downtown Vancouver, and I did not know if I was going to come out of that room. And I just said to myself, the book's already written. I didn't, I wasn't saying, God, let me go back. Let me rewrite this. Let me redo this. Let me go back and let me make it right. Let me go back and and uh, explain something. No, I had peace that was greater than all of that. And then this one that came down, came to my bedside. You might say, now you're real quiet. Now I brought it right down to today. I'm going to bring it right down where this messenger that saw thousands of miracles said to you, the one I'm speaking of is not five feet from where I am right now. And that same person said that he's here now. He's here And I want to say to you, either God is a complete uh, 
hypocrite or he's true. And I want to say, because I believe it within my heart and soul, he is true. And when he said many years ago, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, I believed that he is my peace. I believed it when I was in St. Paul's. I believed that he was my peace. But then what happened, the peace became an experience. I, I wondered, why do I have this peace? Don't I have anything? No, the record's been written. I thought, yep, the record's written. I have nothing to do, and I have no regrets. I'll tell you what, friends, that's not the human guy that says I have no regrets. That's the one that has something is given to you at that moment. So I have no regrets. Is all well? All is well. All is well. You know, friends, you want to have that at that moment. All is well. And I had uh, something, it wasn't a voice, but something was going on inside. And it was so persistent. It was like a question was coming. I, I couldn't tell you, was it coming to my thoughts? Was it in my heart? Where was it? I don't know. But a question was coming, very persistent. And the question was, I maybe have told you before, but the question was, where were you? I tried to maybe disregard it for a moment and says, where were you? Where were you? I said, well, uh, where was I? I didn't understand the question. That's the way he is. And I'm going to read his ways are past finding out. That means that he works secretly. He works covertly. He works in a way that you think it's something else, but it's him. He works in a way that he doesn't even want, he doesn't want to be found to be so obvious so he works very covertly he works secretly he speaks and you don't know Moses wasn't saying well I'm out here I'm looking for a bush that's burning no it caught him unawares the woman at the well she wasn't expecting to see a Jew saying, give me a drink. She wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting anything. I wasn't expecting God to say, I've come down to heal you. And it even took a while before, but where were you? Before I even began to I, I began to wonder is that him 
You know, when the prophet of God was brought down in Memphis, Tennessee, in a snowstorm, he asked me the question, you know what caused, Brother Eddie, do you know what caused the snowstorm? I couldn't answer because I didn't know what caused the snowstorm. He said it was that woman, a colored woman, a black woman. It was her love for her son that caused the snowstorm. You know, it was, that's beyond our human grasp. How could I put that together? I couldn't put that together. Now that is God. You begin to understand God. That's God that's got control of things. If he wants a snowstorm, he brings a snowstorm. But God's concern was that woman, a black woman, her son dying on a bed, rolling back and forth. Brother Brandon comes out with a little, you know, here's the little things we do in life. He just made, had written a, a card and he wanted to find a place to mail the card. Isn't that natural? Isn't that some great supernatural thing? Have you all done that? I'm sure you have. And he's got a card. He comes down, he comes down to find a place. He comes out of the hotel and he wants to mail this card. And he comes to the edge of the sidewalk. And this same one was talking to me in the hospital. Where were you? Saying to a prophet, just keep walking. He wondered if someone was... He went, he told me he went to the window in the store. And he was looking in the dark, dark window looking at the things in the window display, and he went to the street curb again. Keep walking. Keep walking. It's still this woman's prayer. Keep walking. Just a little voice. And that one standing in a hospital saying, but where were you? You know, God asks something, he won't leave it. He won't let it go. He just keeps at it. And I finally said, well, where was I? Where was I? And it seemed like I needed to say something about, it It, it, it seemed that the one who was asking wanted to know, where were you when you were young? Where were you when you were a child? There's young people here. I was about eight or nine. But where were you? Now, friends, this doesn't sound like it's a great spiritual thing, but I can tell you someday when you are at the very crux of your life, this is where you want to be, where you want to be able to talk to him. Some of the young men that were part of the Filipino group that were singing, 
on the watch night service. They don't know, but I was sitting close to them and watching. Three, I asked brother, our deacon brother, who are they? And there were three of his children. I said, well, God was pleased with that. And so I was answering. I was at, I was a boy about eight years old, maybe nine. I was at uh, a place called 351 on the Alaska Highway. But where were you? And I could see that wasn't the answer, wasn't, that wasn't the answer that whoever was asking that wanted. So then I said, well, I was at 375 when I took the prophet of God up there. 351 to 375 is 24 miles. I said, I was right close. Then I knew I was on the right track. And then, but where were you? And I said, well, we went in way into the mountains. And then it all came to, I said, but there my soul was troubled. How long? Several years. Does God allow that? Apparently so. You'd think I should know what a baptism in? I wanted to know what, which is the way to baptize? What is the way to, what about this God? Is he one? Is he two? Is he three? Is he, what is he? Now he's wanting to make himself, you'll know who I am. And so then, then a man speaks. I have the quote here, friends, where the Bible says, or the prophet of God said, that God took on human flesh, bones and flesh, to make known the word of God. And so God had taken on bones and flesh. And I looked into his eyes said, you have three questions. He came to me. That's why we sang before this service. He came to me when I couldn't go to him. I didn't know how to go to him. He came to me. I didn't understand him. I didn't know who, who he was or how he would make himself known to me any more than who was it at the burning bush? Who are you? I am that I am. And you'll go now to Pharaoh. Pharaoh? Who am I to go to Pharaoh? And you'll say, let my people go. I, God, will be speaking through him. Friends, and I looked, and I don't want you to ever misunderstand me, but I saw God looking at me. Not a man, but God. Using his, using his form. Using the bones and the flesh. And said, he came to me. And I believe you have three questions.
Friends, that's the one I'm talking about this morning. I spent this whole evening. He come down to find out not who could understand it. He come down even in the confusion. He come down to find out if that person will believe it. And I can tell you, as a testimony, if I don't live any longer, don't speak another Sunday, it's perfectly fine with me. But I want to leave this testimony to this congregation. He found one and I believed it. I can't answer it. I cannot explain it. I'm like, that's why it means so much to me when he said of the disciples, they couldn't explain it. They didn't understand it. And I have to say to you, I don't understand it. I can't explain it. But I can tell you one thing. It is God. I say to my grandchildren, it is God. To my great-grandchildren, it is God. It is God is speaking through those messages. And he says things. And they said, will you also leave, Jesus said to the disciples. And... Peter said, to whom will we go? Are you going to send me back to that cold, formal church? No, not at all. He won't do that. Uh, Why are you doing this? Because I want you to be a testimony. I want you to tell the people that you will live the kind of life that they will believe in you. And so I say to you, if you have any trust in me, this is the God that you gave your life to. This is the God. He's supernatural, friends. He's not here to do just uh, our wishes or our whatever, but he's here to do his will and cause you to be a believer. And I'm glad that he has found in you a heart that believes the word of God. You believe it, you support it. God bless you. God bless the ministers that minister the word. And this is the one. I can tell you he's a reality. He's, he's more real than a person. It's more real because when you're all alone, Brother Nathan, when you're alone, he just makes himself known to you. He's so wonderful. That is why it so touches me when a prophet will stand, and in this case a woman stands three, four feet away, and before he can start anything, he just says, isn't he lovely? That's a person who has some association with the unseen. And that's what made, you may hear us talk about William Branham, but that's what made that man. A woman is in her dishpan and she's washing dishes, sees a little car drive up, and out steps a little man, and immediately she begins to weep and cry. She doesn't know anything about the man. She doesn't know anything about his ministry. She doesn't know anything, but there's just something flooding to her of the humility of Jesus Christ. But God is using a vessel. I tell you, friends, this is a true statement. God 
took the man and dwelt in him and said words that he wanted us to hear. Don't forget those words. Don't take them lightly and just say, I am here. I am here because of that. Because of whatever it was, we may not know fully what God is wanting to do, but we say, here am I. When I was in the midst of these thoughts, and I'm going to close, I'm not even going to try to finish. When I was in the midst of these thoughts, I began to sing a song. And I couldn't find it anywhere. And finally we came across, I'm going to ask if my girls, will you help me? I wish I had a voice. I'd like to sing it to you. It's not a hymn just to sing a song. It's a question. And I'm going to give you the words, who's that knocking? Calling. Is he wanting an answer from me? Have you had difficulty? Who's that calling? Who's that knocking? Asking to come in. Maybe he wants to say something very personal to you. And I have no business intruding into that relationship. Oh, yeah, you you can just carry on with your life. I know that you'll go to school and you'll go to your studies. You'll go to your college. You'll go to your job. You'll go back and live your life. I pray you won't do that. I saw were you singing here the other night? What night? You were. Who is beside you? Your sister? No. There was another boy. Who was singing here the other night? Would you just stand for me? I can't see you very well. And there was... And yourself. There was three here. And then all of you Philippine people were singing. I want to tell you something that probably you don't know. God was pleased with that. I thought of the Chinese group that were singing. And I know some of them that were singing. But friends, that's all we want to do is please Him. That's all we want to do is please Him. Can we put these words up if you don't mind? I understand they're in the book now. 
I don't want you to sing it as a song. Ask 
sometimes we don't know. As the Shunammite woman, she said, there's a holy man. He didn't know who he was. Elijah the prophet. There's a holy man. Can we do something for him? There's a holy man. Lord Jesus, I'm unworthy to present these blood-washed saints to you. But you have seen their life footsteps. You saw them take their first steps, first steps as children. And now, oh God, on down through life, there are so many things in this life that we cannot explain and we cannot understand. But one thing we know, we know collectively, I know and all of these that are standing here know that we heard a voice from another place and you were calling me. I didn't know where I'm going exactly. I didn't know, I couldn't explain it. And many things have happened that I cannot explain. But oh God, I do know and I'm standing here as a witness that I believe that you know. And not only do you know, but you are near. Your messenger said, you're in the building right at that moment. And I know that you are, I know that you are in this building right at this moment. I know that you have been talking. I know that you have been speaking. And I know, God, as your prophet has said, and it's not just a phrase, but he said, God loved the people and he wanted to make himself known to them. You love, oh God, the people. I do not understand your love and I don't understand how pervading it is and it goes down below all of the difficulties and Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. And so I pray just now for everyone that is standing here. Oh God, men, women, young people, older people, I pronounce, oh God, your eternal blessings upon them. Father, I pray when they rise in the morning, they rise with peace. When they lay their head upon the pillow this evening, they will leave their head upon the pillow, lay their head there in peace, oh God. Peace that passes all understanding. Oh, Father, in the holy name of Jesus Christ, I say, we have come. They have come with purpose. They have come, oh God, to gather together as one people. Father, throughout this congregation, they say, we say, we heard your voice. We've heard your calling. We've heard you speaking to us. We've heard you asking. 
Lord, and I say, Lord Jesus, take me. Take all that I am and all that I ever can be. Cause my words to be a witness for you. Lord Jesus, life isn't even long enough, but I pray that you'll give energy to my words and my testimony. In Jesus Christ's name, may it be fruitful in your kingdom, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'd like you to say, could you sing, I'm giving my life away, laying my all on the altar. righteousness shall he find faith and friends I am saying to you that's why he came he has come he has come we are in it and people don't recognize it so many passed him by I've been feeling such a heaviness so many passed him by And they didn't realize what was actually throbbing in the heart of Jesus Christ, which was God, throbbing in the heart. That's why I said, give me your heart, my son. Give me your heart. Give me your heart, my daughter. Give me your heart. 
whenever you need to call on him. He will be very near that time. Heavenly Father says, lovely people, they're here saying something to you. They're expressing their hearts to you. They're expressing, oh God, their faith to you. They believe it, I believe, Father. And I'm saying with them, and I'm saying and I'm making a declaration in public today at the beginning of this year of 2019. I say, my Jesus, I love thee. Thou art greater than all of my needs. My Jesus, I love thee. Oh, God, oh, God. Oh, God, oh, God. Oh, God, oh, God. Greater than life. Greater than breath, oh, God. As David said, you are greater to me. You are more to me than my daily life, my daily bread. Oh, God. Oh, God. My Jesus, whatever you'd like to do in this message, raise this church up to be, oh, Father, a lighthouse, I pray. A lighthouse where people will know I can come there and be deliverance and have deliverance. I can come there. Those people will pray. Their God shall hear and I shall be healed. I shall be delivered. Lord Jesus, be glorified. Be glorified, I pray. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. My Standing here quietly in prayer. 
I want to say something to you. It's from my heart to your heart. It's not always easy to surrender. To surrender everything. Surrender our future. Surrender our time. Surrender. A man went into a hospital room and his baby was in there dying with leukemia. And the prophet of God said, it's a killer. And the doctor said, because the old man, he was an old man, he was a grandfather. And he said to the doctor, I, I respect you. I respect your science. I respect your medical work. But he said, I have to go to pray. And he left the room, the examination, where they were in the hospital. And he went and he prayed. Brother Branham said, when he came out, the sweat was on his brow because he had agonized not in sorrow and he separated himself from his daughter from his son-in-law and he got alone with God and when he came out he surrendered everything he said I surrendered everything and when I took that word he surrendered everything and the prophet said that's why faith could come in he surrendered everything he surrendered all that he was and he surrendered all of his plans and surrendered he wouldn't have anything to do with his family right then and when he came out he said he knew that he had surrendered everything and he said to the doctor I respect you but God has healed the child friends There is a place where the anchor holds. There is a place where the anchor will not give any, will not even give a twitch. The anchor holds. And that's why I wanted to have this service to you, with you today, to know we want to, we want to be a credit to this message and if this message is an uncompromising message then our success is certain God will hear us and if God doesn't answer the way you want it answered he'll do his own will his own way and his people will say you're the God of truth you have done all things well And we believe this testimony. And I am unmovable, unshakable in it. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine, please. Just singing in the closing prayer. I know thou art mine. Lord Jesus.
I want to say to him, if ever I loved him, if ever I loved you, Jesus, my Savior, it is now. I say to you, God bless you. God bless you all. God grant you the desires of your heart. And may they be godly desires. God bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I thank you for your love and devotion. Why don't you greet one another? God bless you, Brother Todd. Amen. Amen. Bless your brother Matthew. Mr. Jesus' name.